everyone. Happy Friday to you all. And a special happy Halloween weekend. Yes, this weekend is Halloween and tonight I am going to be DJing a spooky, spectacular glaze stream for Mixcloud Live. Now, normally I don't really plug things at the beginning of a podcast episode, as you'll know. I like to plug halfway in and at the end. Always ask my ex-boyfriends and they'll tell you the same. This week is really special because I've got my partner in crime for the Glaze streams, the gorgeous wet-ass Lucy joining us, also known as Lucy Jane, out of the MDJing. And this is going to be an interesting episode for a lot of people listening because every week on Afternoon Delight we go for a very much positive, optimistic outlook. And that is all well and said, right? And I love that about Afternoon Delight, that even in the darkest times, we're finding some resolution and some way to cope and find strategies. And that's great. But sometimes in life, you need hard facts and someone to give you a bit of a kick up the arse. That, to me, has always been my friendship with Lucy Jane and also my partnership working with them. Whenever I feel down or unmotivated or maybe kind of don't give my 110% I usually give, I can count on Virgo Lucy turning around and saying, right you, that's plenty, get this done, come on. Now, I wouldn't be uh, completely honest if I didn't say at the beginning of this that Lucy and myself are very much a marmite in the communities we work in, that some people really like us and some people have got a bit of a standoffish opinion about us. I like to think that people, just because I have a Gemini rising, tend to just maybe assume I'm someone I'm not. And when they get to know me, they realise, oh, you're this person, I'm really sorry, I didn't actually know that and I was kind of a bit judgmental. <laughs> Take note of that, other people. But... Sometimes people are very grounded in themselves and know themselves and that is something I actually aspire to be that I spent a lot of my life not knowing who I was and adapting and refining who I was to kind of suit social um, situations and that just doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes you have to just be, as Lola said, unapologetically yourself and to me that's who Lucy is, you know. I know that they used to do drag and they had a really good drag career that I'll let them talk about in the podcast because I don't want to give anything away. But before I do let the podcast start, I will say that Lucia has decided not to do drag anymore um, during the pandemic, which is totally understandable. And you get to that point in different things you pursue as an artist that, like me and Katrina had mentioned on Wednesday, that, you know, you might try something and you might really enjoy it for a while, but maybe kind of long term your goals change. And there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of the things we touch on in this podcast episode are harsh realities and truths that art, music, drama, all great jobs, I happily would say, you know, do them as a career. However, there comes a point sometimes that you need to think, am I doing this because I enjoy it or doing it because I want to make a career out of it? And that's totally fine. There is no right or wrongs in this. But I think I will make people aware now that this isn't a normal episode, that it's going to be really light-hearted and fun. This is going to be quite an intense and reality check. And that's totally cool, because sometimes you need people to do that. So I would like to now introduce one of my closest pals, 
and one of my favourite artists. It is the gorgeous and talented Lucy Jane. So everyone, this is really fun and light-hearted for me in many ways, but also quite rad. I like that. Um, this next guest is definitely one of my favourite people just to hang out with and get pissed with, but also to work with professionally and personally. Um, I've known this performer and artist for quite a while now, three, four years, and it was really funny, earlier when I was getting ready for this, I was watching the trailer for Wasted Youth, and I didn't realise that this performer in a previous drag life was actually in it, and I'm going to have to link them afterwards. It is the gorgeous and amazing Lucy Jane. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Hello, how are you feeling today? I am good, I am glad it's towards the end of the week. I'm very much looking forward to the weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm good, how are you today? I'm all right, you know what I am so hyped for is tomorrow um, we'll be on the third Glazed live stream tomorrow. We're getting I kind of, uh, we're getting the hang of it now, aren't we? <laughs> it's so funny because we've only done two so far. Well, we did a practice run from the the, the curse night that did not go for, forward. <laughs> the, the night the night we do not speak of. Um, so it's it's funny how it feels. It still feels so new, and it still feels like such a new thing, especially because I'm still very new to DJing. But at the same time, it feels like we've been doing this every week since we've met. Like it's so funny how. I always find when things, when you enjoy something like a project, it feels like you've done it forever, even when you've only done it for a short amount of time. Um, so yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow night and it's going to be kind of Halloween-y, which I think, I'm not a big ooky spooky person, but see Halloween for me, it just screams party. And that always puts me in a little bit more of a like party, let's get like dressed up, let's do cute things. Um, so I'm definitely in the mood to party. I love that you say, um, it's so funny because you say, oh, it feels like new. And every time the Saturday evening when I wake up and I post the mix that has been recorded, I'm like, this is new, did I play this? Oh my God, I listened to it. So I re-listened to the, the mixes the other day because I was like, okay, what have I played and what haven't I played? Because sometimes, you know, when you get in the zone and the white wine starts to hit, you kind of, you know, forget where you're at and you just go with the flow. So I kind of forgot what I'd played already. And I was like, right, I'll need to work out what I'm going to play this week and make sure I don't sort of repeat myself again. And so, oh, you can tell when the drinks hit on some of my mixes. <laughs> As I said, I'm still very, very new to DJing, but yeah, you can definitely tell when the drinks hit. <laughs> and everyone that's listening to this podcast uh, and those of you that don't will always know that the wine hit for me is always when the music just randomly slows down, stops, and deeper and deeper by Madonna comes on. <laughs> yep, totally, absolutely. No, for me, like, for both sets, it's been about 23 minutes in, and it'll go from, like, oh, quite fun, cute music, to, like, right, okay, now I want to dance music. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's what I love. We've got that uh, really lovely contrast in styles of, like, R&B, hip-hop, dance, 90s, rave if it got heavy like it did last weekend for me um so yeah well we'll touch more on that later but that is kind of one thing that I love that we have in common and if people are listening thinking oh why are those two non-binary people DJing together in person we're bubbling Lucy lives around the corner from me um, very local very local local legends obviously and um yeah I think we were quite wide about the fact that we were told, oh, we were both uh, single so we could extend. And the first thing we both went was, right, so we can sesh together every DJ. Friday. 
Definitely. Or you say deja, I'm like, sesh. Sesh. Definitely. Is definitely, um, yeah. It's needed though because both of us were basically locked in our flats for five months this year. And obviously, like, you've got an entire medical team that you're in constant contact with who have been really, really great with, like, here is what you can do, here is what you can't do. Like, I went down to London in September and I got a little bit ill afterwards. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't confirmed because it was a mess up with tests. Um, so we weren't sure if I had COVID or if I didn't. So like we you have access to expert advice on hand so we've been really really careful when it's come to the bubbling situation and totally. if for example the bubbling situation can't happen we've even got a backup for that so yeah. um and the, yeah a bit and more the, zoom calls but you know <laughs> totally and i know obviously just from experience from talking to you what you which you mentioned about my medical team obviously is you know we're not in the house shagging basically and putting each other exactly. at risk um, we are literally having a wee DJ sesh. It's lovely. And yeah, it's like you said, you know, we were, you're working from home, luckily. And mm -hmm. I'm a, an artist and struggling to work, basically. <laughs> um, maybe going to get a career in cyber, apparently. But these are the kind of Fatima things. snapped. That... <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, but yeah, so let's not dwell too long. Virgo and Aquarius, this is going to get very messy, but I love that. Keep yes. me grounded, Lucy. Um, so whilst we are on the subject of Virgo and you as your identity and stuff could you just introduce to everyone listening who probably by now is like these two people are raj um, could you now uh, introduce yourself to everyone and who you are and what you do um so my name is Lucy I uh, live in Edinburgh I have done for the past couple of years um I am 29 years old um which you wouldn't tell from looking at me thank god and um, yeah, Monday to Friday, nine to five, I live in the corporate world, but I, I've always kind of kept a foot in nightlife. Um, I've been part of like nights, shows, events and things since way back in 2008 when I was too young to be involved in them. <laughs> but um, I've always, um, I don't know what it is, I just gravitate towards sort of late nights, fun, lots of people, I love networking. Um, I recently was on a podcast talking about the film Party Monster um, with Ruth Jazzle and CJ Banks. It's called Screen Queens. So if you haven't listened to it, go and have a listen. Um, and we were talking about, uh, if you've ever seen it, there's the scene where James St. James walks around a room and he's like, how to work a room. So you go around with your friend and you introduce him to everyone and then you lose your friend and you walk around again. That's me. That's me and my absolute element. Me walking around a room full of people just saying hiya is me and my absolute element. I'm like a toddler on a plane. I just want to walk up and down the aisle and say hello to everyone. Um, so that's why nightlife I always gravitate towards. That eventually um, sort of transpired into drag briefly, um, which I'm no longer doing, um, but I did do for about three or so years. So you probably know me under the name Havana Meltdown if you don't recognize Lucy, but you might recognize the voice. And um, yeah, I just gravitate towards the night. So if you've ever been on a night out and Anywhere between Edinburgh and Glasgow for the last 10 years, you've probably bumped into me at some point. I love that. Queen of the Night, Whitney Houston, what a vibe. That's amazing. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's great that now you've you've been obviously saying to me, and this is kind of my next thing, that what kind of chose you, what chose you, what, um, what made you choose the art you've chosen, which I think at this point now you're kind of wanting to go into producing, essentially, you know, running events and uh, being a DJ in the nightlife as well as um, working with me and all these other things. So kind of what got you into working in the nightlife? 
Um, so when I was 17, I moved out. Um, I think everyone who's queer has that whole like, you know, I'm going to move to Boston with my cousin, like attitude where they're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and do something. And they want to do it immediately. They don't want to do it when they're 25. They don't want to do it when they're 21. They don't even want to wait till they get to university to do it. They're like, I'm going now. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And my friend who was a little bit older than me, um, I remember just sort of chatting to him. It was I was still at school at the time, and we were, I was talking to him, and he ran the the night that everyone went to in my town. I'm from Falkirk originally. It was the night everyone went to, and it was a night called Audio Graffiti, and what was the Martell and is now Temple. So they do like drag race nights and stuff there now, which I think is so funny because, you know, 15 years ago that was the place. Like that's the kind of club I would go to when I was 15. Mm -hmm. I remember I first went to that club when I was 15 years old. And the only reason I remember distinctly being 15 is because there was a um, legal matter that happened that night where I was a witness to it. Oh, my God. Um, I know. So there I was in the police station with the police telling me I had to be a witness to this um, altercation. But because I was underage, I had to have an adult with me. So I had to phone my mum, explain <laughs> to her I'd been in a nightclub. Oh, it was hellish. You could imagine my poor mother. And... Um, so, yeah, I'd been going to this club since I was, like, 15, and me and the DJ um, for that night, he was like, oh, my roommate's moving out. How about you move in? And I was like, great. So I moved in, and, of course, I was immediately, like, teach me how to DJ. And he was like, absolutely no, not under any circumstances. But, of course, this was when I was, like, 17. I saw Katy Perry playing on blast in my little, like, spare <laughs> ensuite room. So I can understand why then maybe wasn't the best time to teach me. And... Um, <laughs> So from there, we just got behind the nights. Like I would run around handing out shots to people. We would, so as well, this is something that anyone who runs nights now who is under the age of 25 will never have experienced. When you used to promo nights, the way you used to promo nights, there was no Facebook, there was no online promotion. It was, you went around bars. So on a Thursday night, me and my roommate would get dressed up and we'd go around all the bars in Falkirk and hand out two-for-one flyers to people. Right. Now, little did they know, I was also handing them out at school because if you had a two-for-one flyer, you would have had to have been in the bar to get it so they wouldn't get ID'd at the door. <laughs> so we were packing this nightclub. It was the busiest club. Every Saturday night was the busiest club in Falkirk, um, which, I mean, isn't going by much because there's not many clubs, but it was a crazy atmosphere. We were obsessed with the film Party Monster, so we made it fun, light, the music was great. Um, and every single person who was anyone in Falkirk used to go. It sounds like a strange statement if you're not from Falkirk, but believe me, we really thought we were it. We were the glitterati, you could not tell us otherwise. And like, we used to sit in like this very specific booth and if anyone even looked at putting their jacket in that booth, we'd be like, no, 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 this is our special place. And it was just the most crazy fun atmosphere. And another thing about the flyer, and it wasn't just like walking around pubs, you had to go around the um, retail park, car park, and put them on cars. And like the dead of night, when it was freezing cold, you would just be walking around this car park, like <laughs> frozen hands, putting them under windshield wipers and stuff. So that's how you used to promo club nights back in the day. So I'm quite glad it's all gone online now. Um, don't though, I, I think I would have loved that. I think I would have loved to have been like a flyer girl in drag. That would have been fun. Oh my God. Well, the thing is like, it wasn't in drag. It was literally just me. No, and not you. And yeah. I just mean was... me in drag. Well, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, it was so funny because you would like walk around these pubs and you'd just sidle up next to tables of men and you'd just be like, what are you doing on Saturday night? And they'd be like, oh, we haven't worked out yet. And I was like, why don't you come to this club? And I remember distinctly that um, I used to get asked my phone number a lot because this was, you know, no one had Facebook and stuff back then. So yeah. 
It was all phone numbers. And I actually had a memorized fake phone number that I could tell off the top of my head. I don't know my own phone number. I don't know anyone else's phone number. I couldn't even tell you what like my mum's house number is. <laughs> but it was 0776-4276-976. That number connects to nothing, but it's ingrained in my head. And it's the fake phone number I used to give out all the time. <laughs> and um, yeah, it won't connect. You can phone it, it won't connect to anyone. Or if it does, please don't because it might. Um, but yeah, it literally, <laughs> I have it like stuck in my head to this day because I used to give it out so often because like I had a partner and stuff at the time, but we would sidle up to these men. And what would happen is because he was like, <clears throat> well, he still is, like large gay guy covered in tattoos. He also used to work in the local piercing studio. So he would always go up to the girls and be like, hey girls, and they'd immediately be like, oh my God, gay BFF. Um, hey girls, what are you doing? Oh, you look so lovely. Oh my God, your tan is so nice. Did you get that? You did that yourself. Oh my God, that's crazy. And I would go up to these men and I'd just be like, hi boys, what are you doing on Saturday? Of course I'll be there, of course I'll be there. It was so funny. So yeah, that's how we used to promo nights back in the day. And I kind of miss that. Like I do kind of miss it a little bit, but I don't miss one wandering around that cold-ass car park with flyers in my hand. Um, and that's when I caught the bug. That's amazing. Do you know what's so funny? So me and Amy, Lamore and Violet Grace years ago did this night. The as- Mariahs. <laughs> R.I.P. We, um, <laughs> we basically, um, we were the usherettes, but we were called um, the, it was a, f- a weird name. I think it was Glazettes, like Glazed. But basically, oh, really? yeah, it was not, it didn't catch on, but uh, the Free Mariahs clearly did. Um, but <laughs> we um, we did this night hosting called um, uh, the Bender's Ball. I mean, again, what an odd name, but it was basically... I get it. reclamation. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was, well, it was Taste, John Pleased and Trendy Wendy. And uh, all those three genres of music are great, but in one night, that's a choice. <laughs> I mean, if they were all in different rooms, like one room would be the room where I'd go to be like up, up, up. And then one is the room where I'd go to when I was kind of needing a bit of a cuddle. And then the other room would be where I'm like, okay, I just need something I can sing along to. That's where I would be. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that. And it basically, they did uh, they did the main room. So it was an annex underneath Liquid Rooms, which was amazing. It was really abandoned warehouse vibes. But mm. I always remember they did their sets each uh, after each other and it did all right it didn't do an amazing um night it would have been better on Saturday but you know you live and learn from it that is the thing about producing events and it was just really funny because what you're talking about flying and we were at one point asked to I was told I was a candy girl I was to go around and hand out sweeties in one of those cinema usherette things right oh and I was God. in my element handing out sweeties to everyone but um they too were at the front and they were handing out flyers saying take the flyer in, you'll get half price. But then people would take the flyer in and the reception would go, what do you mean you get half price? No, you didn't, full price. <laughs> but people, because this alley was so dingy, it took mm-hmm. about, honestly, with my CF, it took me about a year just to get up and down once. And <laughs> we were on heels, obviously, and they would go down and they'd get to the door and they'd be like, no, it's no half price. What are you talking about? And they'd go, all right, we'll just go in. Because they would, they didn't care. Yeah. And I just remember we're handing flyers and this guy um, thought that I was a woman. And I just wasn't banning eyelids because it was drag. It was 2015, do you know what I mean? And yeah. they were like, oh, yeah, Back well. then you were like, I am a woman. What are you <laughs> talking about? Yeah. But I just remember him being like, oh, yeah, well, why don't you suck my dick if I come inside? And, and I was like, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you stole the punchline. I love that. <laughs> but it was I just know Amy too well. Yeah, and it was, do you know what? It was a really good fun night, but it was like a reminder because this was just 2015 would have been when it was literally just Facebook. 
And mm-hmm. I think the people running the event didn't really anticipate that and thought, flyers on a Sunday night, people will come in. And I was like, yeah. no, <laughs> they won't. But it's really funny because when I started DJing at Planet in 2013, that was actually just at the kind of tail end of when it would be me going in to uni and going, everyone I'm DJing tonight, and they would come along. Mm-hmm. Or I'd phone my friends and go, tell everyone you know, like the guys they were seeing, all that stuff, I'm DJing at Planet tonight. And they'd be like, all right, cool. So it was a word by mouth. Yeah. And I remember they got posters put up all around town because the thing that's great when I actually I DJ at the street in CC is when we do Glazed as well, that a lot of these places still do put posters around the yeah, street. Yeah, we were the same with Exactly. There's, still a, there's still an A1 of me and Chanel um, on the Cowgate. If you're down there, you can go and see it. Yes. Although they did, so we had a big A0 that got replaced with the St Paddy's Day one, which right. I don't even think went ahead. And it's still <laughs> there. And I'm just like, um, even though tracks isn't happening, can you take down the St Paddy's Day poster? Because <laughs> we're just behind it. Um, but yeah. So you're kind of leading me to my next question. So um, just in terms of projects you were doing before the pandemic, because I ask everyone kind of what they were doing before COVID, the old COVID uh, has, um, what kind of, um, if you wouldn't mind talking about your experience, what was it like hosting and running nights uh, in venues in Edinburgh? I was very apprehensive at first. Um, the Edinburgh drag scene could be a little bit territorial. So it was a little bit, when we looked at starting a night, I didn't think I wanted to do it weekly. I was like, maybe a once a month thing, maybe even just once a couple of times a year and we'll just make it this big spectacle. And then the venue were like, your best bet is doing it every week. And Chanel O'Connor, my my business partner, co-host was like, yeah, let's do it every week. And I was like, you know, that immediate panic of like, I have a full-time job and how am I meant to balance this? And da, da, da. Mm. And then I was just like, do you know what? Fuck it, let's do it. It sounds fun. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. Mm. But we kept that idea of making it this like big spectacle. We wanted every week to be like a big one-off event. We wanted to have the best acts. We wanted to have the best people. And we had this gigantic stage to fill. Um, so if you if you never went to Tracks, there's a place called Subway on the Cowgate, which if you live in Edinburgh, you probably have been to at some point. And they've got this massive raised part of the dance floor, which is basically a stage. They've got proper stage lighting, which is another thing that's hard to find oh, yeah. in an Edinburgh venue is proper stage lighting, which is crazy when you think about how much, um, how many like international shows we have here during With August. With a fringe, like yeah. But yeah, for some reason, every drag show has that horrible pink light that points in a different direction to the stage. Or they'll have like little tiny spotlights, which are different colours. Like a a, a good proper white spotlight. Whereas we had this thing where like, not just that as well, the DJ lights getting in. It seemed when we were doing drag roulette at the end of the night and that he lights getting into it. So he would put all the like fancy lighting on and it would like create quite an atmosphere and it was amazing. Um, but it had these like proper big spotlights. So that was me. I remember the first night we did it, I was there early to do my makeup. And for about half an hour before it, I spent ages just designing the lights for the stage because I wanted to get right into that and make sure all the light was right and that, you know, when you went on stage, it popped and it looked right. And um, it was really important for me because with that big stage, you wanted it to feel like you were on a big stage. You wanted to feel like you were at the Playhouse or something like that from, you know, the performer point of view. And with our show as well I wanted to think like okay well what is the performance experience I want to have I want to get there I want to know when I'm on I want to make sure I have somewhere big comfortable and spacious for me to get ready and safe for me to put my stuff um how easy is it for you to get performer drinks I know a lot of places like you go to the bar and you say hey I'm a performer tonight and it's either like okay here's your single vodka and coke you can get like five of them max or it's a case of like 
you go to the bar and you're like, hey, I'm the performer. And they go, were you not here last week in this get up? Are you definitely prefer? Can you get the host <laughs> to confirm that? No, we didn't want any of that. So it was like litre bottles to rock upstairs in a big ice bucket, loads of glasses, loads of mixers. Um, Subway were very, very good to us. They were really, really good to us. And I wanted to create a, a experience for the performers where they were like, I love this. I want to come back every week. And our performance area was an upstairs like balcony area that looked out onto the stage. Yeah. So it was great. There was like one week where I wasn't well enough to do the show and I, I was able to like sit upstairs on my laptop like doing bits of work and stuff like that and just watch the show. And it means as well, if you're doing like a quick change and things like that, you can still watch the show and see what's happening. Sometimes your quick change area is like a different part of the building where you just need to sort of hear the music. So we were in such an amazing space. Tracks was such a great show. We managed to pull really good acts every single week. We, the way we put together our show is a lot of people would message us and be like, hey, I'd love to do your show and that kind of thing. But we really wanted to like curate our nights. We wanted to be like, okay, well, we've got this person. I'd like to see them with this person. And I know this person wants to do a number with this person. And a lot of it was people I'd worked with before through various shows. Um, I'd done a lot of um, like lip playing and things like that before. I'd done a lot of shows in Glasgow before. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to work with the people I'd enjoyed working with. And also the people who there was demand for. Because there's this thing in drag where a lot of drag queens will go into hosting shows without understanding the business. They just want to stand on a stage with a microphone. And like, all power to them. But I think sometimes if you can do something, it doesn't mean you have to do something. So I, um, I wanted to make sure that our nights were like top to toe good I wanted to make sure they were I hate using the word perfect because I'm a perfectionist but I wanted to make sure they were top to toe like good perfect like you couldn't fall up a part of the night there was no point where we didn't have like three acts who were the guests who were all almost identical yeah like if we had like three really incredible dancers who did acrobatics and stuff that's great to watch but by person three you're like have I seen this already? And yeah. it takes away from that person. So I, I was like, okay, I want someone who's a great storyteller. They do like these big like mixes that tell a story and then someone who's like a really good dancer. And then I want someone who's like really off the wall and maybe does kind of alternative stuff. We managed to mix our nights really well and do stuff like that. Um, Tracks was a really, really good show. It's crazy, it, only la- it didn't even last a whole six months before Rona came into town. Um, mm-hmm. But people see it on the same level as like some of the big long established shows which is really really Mm -hmm. nice because i think the tracks was literally a year ago in october because i remember coming to the launch obviously and i love that you say that actually just because i remember uh, as much as obviously i'm a professional i've been doing this long now drag not even just drag but performing writing directing like i anytime i do a show whether it's a big stage or just a nice cabaret night in a club I get really anxious before doing it. And one of the mm-hmm. nights I did uh, tracks, I was really excited. And the anxiety obviously helps with the um, nerves at points because it kind of fuels you to get buzzed and do it. But I remember looking at it going, do you know what? Normally when I do a kind of show, I worry, oh, well, is someone basically going to do the same thing as me? And I'm basically competing with them for the microphone. But actually I went, the lineup tonight is such a great contrast. And then when I used to come every Monday, I'd go, this was a fucking great show because you've just got different like um styles and themes and you I noticed you always done a lot of inclusivity that you got trans performers female identifying um cis performers you got a really good eclectic mix see for that because like a lot of people sort of complimented us on how diverse our lineups were 
um, in regards to like gender, um, because unfortunately, our in Scotland, it's unless you're shipping in people from other cities, it's impossible to have racially diverse lineups. And we were not at the point where we could afford to do that yet. The yep. furthest we could get was Glasgow. Um, and unfortunately, Purina, who is the only black queen in Scotland, was living in London for almost the entire time. Although she did come up and do tracks because she's yeah. a good friend of mine. Um, she did come up and do tracks when she was up. Um, she actually lived in London for almost the entirety of it. So our lines weren't particularly racially diverse. But in regards to gender, they were very diverse. And a lot of people were like, oh, wow, you guys have done a really good job at this. But the thing is, we didn't actually think about it that much. We just yeah. booked people who we like and we enjoyed um, which was, we booked people who we liked and we enjoyed and who our audience would like. A lot of um, a lot of different shows fall into the trap of, oh, this is who we think our audience will like. And it's typically white cis men who do drag that they think of when they think of who will my audience enjoy. We, when I tell you about the tracks audience, now I'm not just saying this to sort of like hype up like my, my old show and stuff like that, but like, the tracks audience were incredible. A lot of them were people who were friends with Chanel or knew Chanel already. So Chanel is very, very lucky in that she has a very, very good group of people around her. But all the people who came in addition to that and the people who just kind of found us were amazing. Mm. We used to joke that you could do any kind of performance because I remember at one point you said, oh, I'm going to do a, a written word, um, a, a spoken word, faithless number. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, do it. And you were like, no, I was joking. I was like, honey, you don't know that audience. You could do that. And they would eat it up like... Yeah. A lot of shows, unless, I always say that a lot of audiences are trained to hear, like, the body hit the, the stage, yep, and that's when you. they cheer. Mm -hmm. But our audience were actually really, really good. They, they, they were just there to be entertained. They didn't care how you entertained them. They were just there to be entertained. And I don't think there was a single performance that didn't get a warm reception. Um, yeah, I remember me doing a song that was going to feature in the honeymoon period, and it was from Smash, the TV show, which I went... This is, I did a Legally Blonde mix. Everyone loved that, but they love Legally Blonde. I went, right, cool. And uh, some shady, funny gimmicks in the middle of it. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, but the Smash one, I was like, oh God, I don't know if they like this, but it is only two and a half minutes long. <laughs> Thanks for, <laughs> like, if they don't like it, it'll be done. But I remember them actually, that got more of a response than Legally Blonde. But I think it's because, one, they respected the art. Two, mm -hmm. they were there for a show. You know, I think the problem you've got is, you know, and... It's not a negative thing for me, but you, it's with my theatre background, if you think of drag, you automatically label drag race, therefore you automatically label mm -hmm. the splits, the jumps, the death drops. And that's all fine and dandy, right? But it isn't the only kind of queen. You've got live singers. Now I do live yeah. singing. Now if we went back to nightlife, I would probably sing all the time. I wouldn't, I'm good with a microphone and can have a laugh and can sing, but I wouldn't be doing a death drop anytime soon. Do you know what I mean? Neither. Um, my knees cry thinking about it. Like, yeah. no way. And I, I love think that you... Problem, mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I think a no. big problem is a lot of people sort of talk down to their audience. Yeah. And that works for some audiences, but it doesn't work for your whole audience. And it's very easy to fall in that trap of like, oh, well, people like something that's easy to like, so we'll put on what's easy to like. And that is not to discredit any of the folk who do do the, the high octane dance numbers like well done good on you as I said my knees cry thinking about it and it's not that you're it's not that your art form is dumbed down in any way it's just people assume that that's all an audience will take and that's all an audience will pay attention to but give your audience a bit of credit like give your audience if they have to think they'll think if they have to feel they'll feel mm -hmm. I used to go to Mother Tucker a lot which was a show in Glasgow where they had a different theme every week um, I'm sure Rue Jazzle touched on this in, in her episode of this but um, 
they had a different theme every week and they had people like Lacey Ray and Oktoberfest, people who were not afraid of a concept, people who were not afraid of storytelling. Um, and you see it now with people like Juniper Lovelace, who's very much a product of that show, where they're storytellers. They'll think of a concept from start to end and you have to pay attention. Yeah. It's not a case of you just wait until you hear the body hit the floor and then you cheer. Yeah. Some of those numbers, you go the whole number without the audience making a noise bar maybe a laugh. And then at the very end, it's rupturous applause because just because people aren't cheering doesn't mean they're not enjoying themselves. It means they're taking it in. Great yeah. art makes you feel. It's not just about going, yay, great yeah. art makes you feel. And of course, drag isn't, you know, the the fine art that you think it is, but drag takes drag takes all forms. And if we showcase all those forms, particularly if we've got, I mean, we were very lucky. We pulled a big audience and also it was a big student audience. So half of them were drama students, literary students, all this kind of stuff. So they got into the references and they liked that. But never assume your audience isn't going to be that. Appeal to everyone, not just the people who are at the front going, yes, queen. Yeah, I remember because when you came to Wasted Youth and that was kind of when me and you started being friends really properly mm -hmm. like you know you came to lip line when I ran lip line and we would chat but we never and then we had occasional drinks and cc's if I was out with Ellen and stuff but there wasn't yeah. a proper friendship and I just remember um you came away to youth and I could see you in absolute pieces everyone basically in pieces at the oh. end I remember you saying to me like I've never seen a drag show like that and that was like something different for me that I loved because I want mm -hmm. drag to be different things all the time I want to be on it it's like it's like in theatre and art you know, a lot of the great things are the unexpected. Yeah. And I really, I, yeah. And I just, with lip line as well, because I'm glad you mentioned that, because lip line's not something I've actually touched on in the podcast yet, but obviously I had started lip line in 2000, God, would it have been 2016? 17, no, it was 17 because it was after I started March, yeah. March 2017 and uh, then I passed on to Amy Lamora who ran it and it went then to the Free Sisters and obviously COVID-wise I don't really know what's happening but again it's like I've now started the House of Liability Digital Drag Show which Lucy you're obviously the producer for which is great and that was interesting because when we were doing it live I was saying things like or say hi Lucy you're like hello <laughs> <It was just> like, <laughs> yeah I'm really I go to producer mode where I'm like in the background like checking the screen to make sure nothing's gone red like making sure your chair's in the right place like I get into like full like I, I get very Virgo in those situations like my, yeah. my Libra rising jumps out when I'm doing like the front of house stuff yeah. but when I'm back at house I'm just like right okay no Jordi I need you to look in that direction right I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the light here okay that's fine right remember there's a slight second delay there don't panic about it like it gets very like I get very production yeah um I love that and uh, with the uh, house liability stuff it was so funny because people were obviously watching it and loving it but they didn't realize that for a lot of the performances I was watching a screen with no music because I can't actually yeah. listen and I just remember you being like right now for the next performance mine didn't say this mine is yeah. me being like cool keep me on track because obviously Literally. I was on the wine and was like yeah the world is a mess the show and you were like <laughs> yes but can you promote them and their content and I was yeah. like yes like, of course I'm a fun wine mum look at my cat <laughs> in the background I'd be like remember Rujazzle has a show coming up tell them what date it is like <laughs> totally and then don't say Amy Lamore's wrong name or something <laughs> I know fully like, so don't fun. say Amy Lahore we know yeah. that anyway you don't to tell us <laughs> ah, so um so moving on to like my next question just covid has obviously been really stressful for a lot of people um how has the pandemic kind of affected things like tracks obviously because i mean it's a it is such a daft question sometimes to think these things but i think a lot of people will care about tracks and just also like uh, things like 
us doing Glazed. So what kind of projects are you doing now and what um, are your future plans once COVID kind of hopefully fucking calms down, basically? So um, with tracks when COVID happened, we... I think we were one of the first shows to cancel. And the reason for that was we were on a Monday and they'd already, this was at the point where they said, don't go to the pub, but we're not gonna shut them. And it was the Monday that that announcement had gone ahead. And I'd actually been ill the week before and hadn't been able to do tracks, although I was there because we didn't realize that if we, we were like, oh, if you've got like cold and flu symptoms then it's fine, like you're not eligible for a test, whatever, just, you mm -hmm. know. And there wasn't social distancing, there wasn't mask wearing, there was nothing like that. This no. was like, I believe it was about March 16th, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a bunch of friends who'd come through from Glasgow and were staying in a hotel. And when the advice came through, we, one of the performers actually, their parent is very high risk. And they were in two minds about whether they should come. And I actually said, like, are you sure it's a good idea for you to come if you've got a high risk parent? Don't worry about us. We can, you know, Amy Lamore's always free. We can, we can, you know, <laughs> come on on a, we can put someone on the bill last minute. It's no worries. It's safety is of our utmost importance to us. And it was things like that where they were kind of swithering on it. And I was like, no, do you know what? The government advice is that people shouldn't be gathering in these places. If we put on something where people are even half thinking about still coming, even with at risk people at home, then we need to just say no. We need to do the responsible thing. So me and Chanel, oh my God, you would not believe it. Me and Chanel had already met in the um, in like the, the town centre relief because I had to get my USB offer to put all the music on for that night. And when I, I got the news alert when I was with her and I was like, right, we need to do something. So we went to a Witherspoons, could you believe? Oh my God. To read the news article <laughs> properly because I'd literally just seen a thing and it was like government announced um, issue with pubs. And I was like, what does that mean? So I immediately went to the pub. <clears> and um, <throat> even then it felt wrong being there, which mm -hmm. it probably was. But at the time, again, like this was the 16th of March. There was no real knowledge of what was going on. Um, so we were like, okay, we need to think about something. So we messaged the venue and we've got a very good um, like venue manager called Mark, who's our liaison, who's an amazing guy. He's, he's one of the best people I've ever worked with in any walk of life. And uh, we said to him, like, I don't think we can go ahead with tonight. And he was like, it's totally up to you. You're under no obligation from us. And we understand, you know, what you need to do. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we can go ahead. And um, we said to the guests and, you know, we put out statements and stuff like that. And it was quite tough. And then we sort of thought like, what do we do next? So we went online immediately. We did Tracks TV for a couple of weeks where we did like reviews of all the looks of the um, Glasgow Drag Awards, which had just happened a couple of weeks before then. Mm -hmm. We also had um, like, we did like a look back on the um, Glasgow festival, the drag festival the year before where Chanel had been in the competition. So we had a look back at that. And we did sort of various things like that. Chanel did her own little um, sort of series called The Chanel's, which only made it to one episode, but she keeps promising there will be one eventually. Um, our dogs had puppies, so she's currently midwifing. Um, but she might get more of The Chanel's afterwards. <laughs> so we immediately went online. And I was part of another group called um, Lunar Dynasty, which was um, sort of femme-leaning drag. So people who identified as either women or were femme-leaning non-binary people outside of drag. Anyone who felt really disenfranchised with a sort of femme perspective. So it was um, like mostly women, but other non-binary people who, you know, felt more comfortable in a sort of femme aligning way who were part of the drag scene. And our main goal was to get, you know, sort of more women on the stage. That was our immediate goal. And we kind of grew into something a bit more than that. 
And we did actually achieve what we did achieve, you know, way, way before the pandemic even hit. You know, there was more mm -hmm. women on lineups and stuff like that way before pandemic even hit. So what we started doing was an online drag show every week. Um, it was every two weeks, I think. And it was a drag brunch. So basically it happened at Sunday afternoon, lunchtime. And we also ran competitions where you'd win Just Eat vouchers and all that kind of thing. So Amazing. Yeah, so like you, you could have your brunch basically and watch this drag show. And um, it was good. I really enjoyed producing that. And I also held a competition called Havana's Meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, which became a really, really, you judged one of the weeks. Um, it became really big, actually. I was shocked. It was it incredible how, like, big that became and how amazing the turnout would be every week. And like you said, it when I got huge. to when I got to judge the first week, and I was like, oh, me the first week. But I was like, wow, because here's me standing there, pure in, like, an Adidas tracksuit and a sort of club kid drag, just been hot, fresh, filming my fucking YouTube series that like lasted four episodes and me being like oh my god like this will be so much fun and then me looking at the like girls and the artists and me going oh yeah fucker I'm not gonna make any comments oh my god it was so Talent hard to was judge incredible. it was unbelievable I mean we had like we had big international names like Tom Harlow who were involved we had like um Axel Aurora who actually won in the yeah. end as was a mother trucker for a long time and is Incredible. a very well regarded and respected drag queen we had some of the newer fresher talent like people like Anne Spank who have been making massive waves in the drag scene for the last sort of 12 months who is also um, a guest for the next House of Liability show which is exciting oh that's exciting oh, I'm excited yep. for that um, and we had, um, like, our finalists were, were were incredible. Actually, to be honest, our, the first week, our heats, so we decided to have heats. I say we. I decided to have heats um, because I, just, I literally couldn't narrow down. We had about 40 applications, and they were all so good. I was like, I can't pick 12 people out of this. So we ended up having heats. Um, but it was so funny. I didn't realise it would get as big as it did because yeah. I remember on my sort of private Instagram, I'd kind of posted a thing when I was like, might fuck about and do a competition. What do you think? And put up a poll, and people said, yeah. And I was like, oh, do you know what I might do? And then I was like, okay, everyone, welcoming like Havana's Meltdown. Here's the Google Doc thinking I would get like, you know, six of my friends and maybe six <laughs> baby queens I'd never heard of before. And I'd be like, oh, this will be fun. 40 people applied and they were Amazing. really incredible. And I had to like scramble together this fucking competition because I hadn't thought about it that much. Very, very, very luckily, um, my drag sisters and drag friends are some of the most incredible artists in Scotland and people like yourself, um, transgender, uh, Lawrence Cheney, like sort of big drag names who were able to sort of help me judge the competition. But it was so funny and there was additional sort of points on it. There was a, like October did like an after show on yeah. um, cool down Sunday. basically. Like yeah. A cool, yeah, like a cool down. And then um, we had Kiko, another amazing queen from uh, drag, uh, another amazing drag queen from Glasgow who did like a Monday night show. They would do exit interviews and like it just grew so big. This was literally like, like so big. This was like the fucking X factor for drag. Honestly. And I <laughs> honestly, really I thought it was brilliant. And do you know what? There are people that I knew who I was friends with because I shared I was judging who were like, mm -hmm. they watched because they wanted to see who I had judged and then look at my videos that I had posted for you. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my God, this was really good. Ken, what, I'm going to watch it every week. And they would message me saying, yeah. oh my God, do you think they should have went through? Do you? And I'd be like, listen, I am not going to judge anyone. I'm here for the entertainment and for the art, but 
Yeah. We had Drew girls and everything because like, Blue Hydrangea was incredibly invested in it. She was T-Man totally. Spag. She was so invested in it. It was so funny. And it was so funny because I think a lot of people listening might go, oh, was this just like, because I hate that. They'll go, oh, this was just a cliquey thing that people's friends, but absolutely not. There were people from England like applied for it and I ended up like now following them because of it and they were all exceptional and I thought this is a UK like X Factor type thing yeah it's so funny do you know even now like I went down to London recently and I went to go and see me formerly meth the drag queen yeah um who's very 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 well respected like her loins are the most powerful every single one of her drag kids are kids that you'll know she's like her um Cheryl Hole is that her name? Yeah. Cheryl Hole. Yeah. Cheryl Hole. <laughs> Sorry, my mind just completely blank. I was like, Cheryl Cole, Cheryl Hole, Cheryl Cole. No, Cheryl, Cheryl Hole. <laughs> um, like um, Ophelia Love, um, Kitty Scott Claus, like all of wow. those people have, are, are from that drag house. And I was at her show and I, literally she was like, and we've got a Scottish legend in the house. And there was me looking behind me, like looking for another Scottish accent. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> you mean me? Like, oh, so crazy. that's lovely. So crazy how much that blew up and how much it kind of, it really put a, a really good focus on Scottish drag because as much as digital shows are great and they're fun and things like that, it was a different way to yeah. enjoy digital drag. And it was fun thinking of mad challenges because I was trying to do it sort of akin to like drag race. And I was like, well, how do we do a makeover challenge where people are like self-isolating? Oh, you have to swap looks. Love that. So you both get put in pairs and you have to swap looks. Um, you know, your ball challenge will be based around like, okay, so you're, you're in your bedroom, you're stuck in your room, what the fuck Love do you that. wear? You yeah. eventually venture out into the kitchen <clears throat> and you're a domestic deity. How do you portray <laughs> that in a look? And what's your, I'm nipping to the shops for my one allocated um, sort of time to leave the house a day. What do you wear for that? Like it was silly things like that. And the basis of the competition, because the part of the reason why I made the competition so focused on the quarantine was because I noticed a lot of people were breaking quarantine. And I was like, well, mm. I'm going to give you something where you're literally not allowed to break quarantine. You have to use the tools you have available. There's mm. no, you know, you nipping up to your drag mother's 30 miles up the road to get a styled wig or anything. You just had to deal with what you had. Um, that's amazing. Do you know what? Listening to you talk about this, like maybe there's I forget that happened. It felt like so long ago. No, it feels long ago, and it was quite a while ago when you think about it. And you know what? Like, never know. Maybe like something like that could come back and a different host, but you could maybe be helping run it. Who knows? There, mm. There's always options to bring something like that back, considering that you know it's not looking like in the next six months shows will return live. So yeah. you never know. Yeah, now I know obviously just because people listening who obviously follow both of us and also like drag or people that aren't listening might go, oh, they don't do, they still do drag and stuff. Because obviously I know we've spoken a lot in the about this and you were like, I don't want to make all about me doing drag. And I was like, absolutely not because you're not yeah, doing drag I think anymore. This is probably the last conversation I'll have publicly about drag in all honesty. Oh, totally. But the only thing I would like to kind of touch on with you briefly before we move on to the DGM projects we're doing and other stuff that you're kind of thinking about long term. Um, you know, I know you had, like, I've had as well a difficult relationship with drag at times. And just moving forward for younger people who might be listening who think, I want to go into drag and they're, you know, female presenting or they're cis females or they identify basically as female tips and advice and things you could maybe just um touch on would be great i'll be honest it's a hard it's hard it's mm -hmm. even though it's easier it's still hard i think even for cis men who get into drag it's hard there's a lot of atmospheres that can be very toxic um and there's a lot of um sort of thinking and things you can get in that'll make you very toxic you have to focus a lot for example on your appearance 
um, which is something that's very difficult for, for all women and all sort of non-binary people. It, focusing on your appearance can sometimes be a very difficult and challenging thing. Um, I know a lot of my like really, really good friends who are trans will say that one of the hardest things is being able to differentiate themselves as a woman as well as a woman who does drag, because a lot of people can't see the divide there. And if you're already trying to enforce that in your brain because you've grown up trans or non-binary, it's hard when you've got other people who are not enforcing that in the outside world. You need to have a thick skin. You need to be aware that like, sometimes the slightest thing you do say or even imply can get picked apart publicly. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very difficult. <laughs> and also for every sweet, nice person who wants you to do well, there is someone who will happily see your downfall because it means there's more slots available for them. Yeah. Um, I've experienced it firsthand. I think a lot of people have experienced that firsthand. And the thing is, for me, part of the reason why I quit drag is because those negative experiences were no longer outweighing the good experiences. When I was achieving my goals, and I was getting to that next level, getting to that next step, doing the next thing. And the, the joy about me doing it was every single time I got to a level where, you know, women and feminine binary people hadn't achieved this yet, I pulled my sisters up with me. And I got to do that. And I loved that. It was my favorite thing to do. But I smacked the glass ceiling with my face. There was nothing more for me after that. I was the only woman in the UK running a weekly show. Yeah. Um, and and co-hosting it. But like... When it came to the production and stuff of it, and when it came to the hosting, I was the only woman doing that on a weekly basis. So I hit the I hit the glass ceiling with my face. And then after that, I was like, there's no money in drag. I'll be honest with you, there's next to no money in drag, particularly if you're not a desired performer. See, if you're a cis man, you get hired for private events left, right, and center. If you're not a cis man, if you get hired at a private event and they don't know you're not a cis man, they can get angry, they want their money back, they want a refund, they're not happy. Um, so always know this is a big thing because a lot of people are like oh my god drag's now gonna have to be a hobby for me it's so terrible I have to get a day job and I'm like oh now you know what it's like to be a woman in drag <laughs> like you, you know well done, yeah. no offense because I know it must be really really hard if you're having to make that realization that you are now but I'm just like oh you were now on the same playing field we are on isn't it unpleasant yes it is isn't it so know that if you're a woman doing drag it's never going to be a full-time gig I'm going to tell you right now RuPaul's Drag Race will never have women on it. It will never have women on it. They have actively separated themselves from women who do drag for a long time. At the start, they used to have people like Candace Kane and stuff like that on it. It's like coaches and things. They don't do that. They don't have trans women on their judging panels. They will remove any concept of women being part of drag as much as they can because to straight audiences, straight audiences want to see an attractive man become a beautiful woman. They don't want to see anything else. They, they, they don't want to see it any other way. The only reason why they'll have people like Gia and um, Sonique on sort of um, later seasons, like All Stars and things like that, is it's fan. It's to appease fans. That's the right. only reason to do it. But when it comes to actual drag race seasons, they'll never have women on it. Mm -hmm. So we have a two-tier system in drag where... Well, actually, no, sorry. We have a three-tier system in drag. Top tier is you're a Rue girl. You get paid Rue girl money. Mid-tier is where you can do lots of private gigs. For example, there's a lot of really successful queens. I know people like Lawrence Cheney, Rue Jazzle, CJ Banks. They're all very, very successful queens who make a living off drag, yourself included, although you do stuff in the sort of wider arts world as well. And then you've got your bar queens. Now, there's no shame in being a bar queen. I loved being a bar queen. The only reason I started drag in the first place was to drink for free and to get free entry. And do you know what? <laughs> I've been that for years. 
But when you're at that bar queen level, unless you are a cis man or you at least present in a cis male way or are perceived as a cis man, you're never going to make it past that point. Yeah. Know that. So is your hobby something that you enjoy? Do you like doing it? Do you have fun doing it? Is the pressure on you enough pressure for you to still enjoy it? Yes, great. Go ahead and do it. And if not, then it's not for you. Um, I always think as well, a very important point is as much as drag queens have many different hats, you're a hairstylist, you're a makeup artist, you are a choreographer, you're a music producer, you're, you know, this or that. You're also talent management. You need to manage yourself like talent. Well done. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't release merch because you've got 300 Instagram followers and one of them says, oh, that'd be quite cool. There's no point because then you just sell three t-shirts and no one really cares anymore. You need to get to certain levels before you can start doing certain things. And I see a lot of people throw themselves head first. Like, I see people in their first year of drag trying to host shows. And I've been to those shows. And I'll be honest, girlies, not a lot of you have that ability at that time. Do you know what, two, three years down the line? You might do. Yeah. But a lot of you are throwing yourselves into things that you don't really need to throw yourselves into. And do you know what happens? It just looks silly. I'll be yeah. honest with you, it looks silly. I've done it before when I've tried to run before I can walk. Jordy can attain that I do that all the time. <laughs> I also can attain that I have done that several times. <laughs> right. But when you do it in such a public forum where it's already so competitive, you 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 don't want to do that to yourself. Yeah. It puts a little sort of notch on your belt where it's like, mm, I could have avoided that. Totally. Market yourself properly. If there is demand for something then fulfill that demand. If there's no demand, then don't. I know a lot of queens at the moment are doing like, for example, podcasts, or they're releasing merch, or they're doing this, or they're doing that. If there's no demand for that, it's just gonna go unlistened to, unsold, unwatched, and unwanted. Yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Um, there might be an audience of five people who listen to it or watch mm -hmm. it or something. That's not enough to create demand. You wanna make sure that every single person that follows you and engages with you regularly wants that. Um, for example, I'm currently wearing a transgender t-shirt. Now, my good sis has been a drag staple for many, many, many years. Only recently has she started releasing merch, even though it's something that's been asked for years. I know, because I've asked her for years to do it. She's been doing drag twice the length of time I have, and I sold merch a year ago. Um, actually, I think it was released about a year ago this time. Mm -hmm. And um, she literally has only started doing it now. And do you know what? She sold out her first batch. She's wow. just about to sell out her second batch. That's what you want. You don't want to be like, here's my red bubble, which by the way, you don't make a lot of money off, don't you, red bubble? <laughs> here's my red bubble. Yeah. And then you sell three t-shirts to your auntie, your gran and your dog walker. And mm -hmm. then it's like, well, you know, I used to go to my gigs and see the whole front row wearing t-shirts with my face on it. That's wow. what you want. That's success right there. I think you're right. Do you know what? It reminds me of when we, I know we joke about the uh, sugar babes, free Mariahs of drag, me, Violet and Amy, but do you know what? I remember going to a meeting with three sisters and knowing that G1 were great at allocating budgets. Um, I knew that when I worked with them for that, um, that, that thing of um, asking, you know, budgets, making sure fees were paid, making sure things were available in terms of the marketing. And one of the things we had to sit and think about realistically was this was one of the first for me, the Free Mariahs, as much as people joke about it, this was one of the first things that drag in Edinburgh happened outside of CC Blooms. Mm -hmm. It was, and I had done, at that point, I had been doing church for, the church I kicked at CC Blooms for about a year and a half. I knew I was good on a microphone just because I do a drama degree and I've done acting. So I knew I could talk on a microphone, but I went to the two girls and said to them, 
Now, I'm going to fully prepare you for this. The money is good, but the audience might not be anything like CC's, and you might hate it. So we have to yeah, go in straight with venues. a yep, and it, we have to go in with a blank canvas and go right. This might be fine. It, hopefully, it will be. But every night is going to be different. It's not going to be the same people every time. It's going to be different environments. There was one night we did bless them that the venue were very because I was good at saying if something bad happens, we're not performing. The venue yeah. were good at saying to me they phoned us and I was literally we're in a taxi on the way and we got just pulled up outside and I get a phone call. Like, Who's this? Manager's like. The boxing's on, but we've had several fights and we can just see this not going well, but we'll make sure we pay you regardless. And I went, wow, okay. But it was stuff like that that I said to them. It's like that expression, know your audience. And I think my advice going off what you said, which was really raw and quite emotive of you, I'm very proud for you to actually be honest and upfront. That is a Virgo trait, but also it's good for you to say, well, know what you're getting into. But mm -hmm. the thing I could add to that is that expression, know your audience, means if you're listening to this, that think about before you say, I want to do this. And, I, you know, I, with this podcast, went, this is going to be for local artists network. That is my audience. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like you know, this week we're talking about DJing, um, queer art, and dra drag. Two days ago, it was Katrina talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome and acting. They're completely different things. But know your audience and sit and go, well, who is this appealing to? Why am I doing this? Where can this go in terms of stages? And yeah. I don't mean stages you can perform on at this point, gal. I mean, stages one, stage two, stage three. Think of the long-term plan. And again, I am an Aquarius that likes writing a lot of plans, but you have to think about these things before you pursue these things because you will, unfortunately, and I've learned this the hard way, and I'm sure you have, that sometimes you set yourself up for failure because you go, I want to do all this, but then you do it and you realize it's too hard and you go, oh, you know what? The barriers are making it unbearable. But, and also you're doing that in the public so not only yeah. are you having to struggle over your own hurdle everyone else is seeing you struggle over it as well yeah and as i said this is a competitive industry the second you falter people are like oh you've fallen i'm going to yeah. take advantage of that totally but thank you so much for sharing that raw stuff because some people think that drags are fucking fun in games and yeah it's fun but it's also a lot of fucking yeah, bad games but a lot of bad games too that aren't ideal and people it's like good and bad everywhere that people can fucking ruin it for you and try and be a nice person is all i can say really in this fucking yeah, messy do world your best to be nice as much as yeah. like people can be difficult and things like that like i found see through running the show and things like that i wanted to be not just a host on stage but almost as if you were coming to my house if you came to my house i would offer you something to drink i would offer yeah. you somewhere comfortable to sit i would offer you some form of entertainment you would know what was going on all that kind of stuff it'd be the same as if you came into my house like yeah. i wanted that to be the same at the show so going nice goes a long way and it's not just like being fake nice yeah you cannot like people yeah you can have to be civil with people you can do all that but do your best to be nice and network 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 it's key to network don't be afraid to talk. If you're if you're afraid to talk to people, you're not good in social situations. Drag is not for you. Yeah. If you want to do drag in that situation, be a look queen. Get an Instagram account by a bunch of wigs. Stay online. Do that. Now is a very good time to do that. Mm -hmm. Know that it might be slow to get people to engage with you, but know that that's how it is. If you are a bubbly person that loves being around people, then you're not, you're for the stage. If you're not that person, you're not for the stage, honey. Mm -hmm. Stay online. Your looks will still be sick. They'll still be gorgeous. People will still like them. And your drag will still be as valid and as appreciated. Don't take up time on a stage when you're too scared to even speak to people because that's not doing you any favours. It's not doing anyone else any favours. I would like to add to this because a lot of people listening might be like, because obviously the pair of us can waffle, but I love that. Tough love time. But, tough love time. <laughs> but 
also uh, something I would like to just add is, you know, I have in this drag community in Glasgow and Edinburgh experienced a lot of different hosts, a lot of different people that produce events, you know. And for me, something that was really interesting was when I messaged you saying, oh, I'm really not well, I still want to do a show, but I've got two numbers and I can go do one. And you straight away were like, just do one, don't worry about it, I'll sort it. And we're such a great host of comedy. And, and I remember within six months before that, I'd said the same thing to our host, because obviously a lot of people listening will know that I was keeping very poorly step-wise, you know, it was hit and miss some days. And I remember then just reading it, not replying, and then hours later sending me a passive-aggressive message and me thinking to myself, you know, for someone that hadn't done it that long for you in the game, you just showed that way that you're meant to be. You know, kindness helps, and yeah. that's, to me, the professionalism standard it, you should set. It wasn't even you having, like, any kind of underlying condition. Like, I don't want someone to perform when they don't feel up to it because you don't get a good performance out of that. I, I've managed people for the last decade, right, in a yeah. professional setting, I know how to be a good manager, and I'm a very good manager. I still have staff from two or three years ago phone me in the middle of the night when they're drunk, being like, I missed when you, I missed when you were my manager. Like, oh. I get it. And it's it's not even, because obviously I know you've got CF, and I know that things can be a challenge, but even if it's just a bad mental health day, even if it's something yeah. like that, I want people to tell me and to say, look, I don't feel comfortable, or even just, I don't feel comfortable doing my second number. To be honest, I, I've bitten off more than I can chew, and I don't think I'll do it. Then I'll say, yeah, okay, do you know what? We can change it to a straight song that you like doing, or you can just do one number. Like, yeah. there's always ways to work around it. It's, totally. Drag doesn't pay enough for you to panic too much about it. I've had high-stress jobs where I've been paid a shitload of money for it. And it's it's been stressful, but it, it seems worth it because at the end of the day, I've got, you know, a gorgeous flat, I've got loads of nice things in it, I've got a happy cat, I've got all those things. You're not going to put yourself through emotional turmoil for 15 quid's worth of tips. Do you know what I mean? Luckily, totally. we were able to pay more than that at Tracks every week because <laughs> we, we always had a really good audience and we did charge on the door. But no, there is no amount of money worth stressing over and there is totally. no job worth stressing over unless it's your career. And in which case, Tracks wasn't anyone's career because it was once every one day and you get a slot there once every couple months. Like, you know. Totally. And that yeah. at that point you're freelance. You're freelance. You're the one that calls the shots. I just put the stage there for you. That's it. Totally. Well, I'm glad we got a touch on all that, and that'll be that kind of um, that folder put away in a drawer and done now, I guess. But yeah. let's move on to exciting things. So let's talk about the glazed live stream, which is every Friday. So I yes, yeah. so much. So would you? It was fun. I would like you, since everyone, you know, like knows, obviously, I talk about all my things uh, every week. I would love for you to tell people what we're doing with Glazed every Friday. So Glazed every Friday, we usually start about nine o'clock. However, on House of Liability Nights, we start a little bit later, usually straight after the show. So if you're watching one, you can swap straight over to the other. Um, and what we do is we DJ live from Jordy's living room. Um, Jordy's got these big, gorgeous decks, same as what you'd have in a club, which is very nice to use. And um, I only actually started DJing at Glazed um, kind of at the start of the year, end of last year. Yes, no, it was, no. so I think it was, I let you do a guest spot last October. Yeah. I had a video and you did a guest spot one night and then I was like, oh, I'll maybe get you back. And then we did... Mm -hmm. Uh, we made Glaze, in fact, what was happening with Glaze before that was actually we were DJing and you were doing the warm-up, playing R&B and hip-hop and a bit of like 90s um, sort of style stuff. And then we turned it into obviously that drag show at nine and then music afterwards. And we were kind of looking at that. But yeah, you've been DJing since sort of January, really. Yeah, and even then it was only once a month. Yeah. Um, and then when Rona hit, 
it was nothing. Um, so I'm still very, very, very new to it, but I'm loving it. Like I was saying the other day, like I love being on stage and talking. I love talking on stage. Put a microphone in front of me. I love talking. I like being funny. Mm. I like telling jokes. I like doing comedy. But see the actual performance, like dancing to a number, that was never my comfort zone. That was always the means to an end so I could do drag and be on stage and have the mic in my hand. That mm. was, it just filled up the, the two slots that I had to do and then for the rest of the time I could be on a mic. Mm. See, DJing, that gives me more joy than I ever did dancing on stage. Brilliant. Uh, I just love it. I think I have the best music taste in the world and I love sharing it. <laughs> I am in I love that. So modest. You're like, yeah, my music's amazing. <laughs> my music's amazing. Um, I'm not quite good at mixing it yet, like when it actually comes to like beat matching and stuff, but I will get there. I'm starting to kind of get to grips with it, and George's yeah. showing me a lot. Um, but like, definitely, definitely would 1000% recommend tuning in. Um, I think ourselves, because we like the same type of music, however, yeah. we both play different music. I. The first time we ever DJed together, I was like, I'm going to pick songs Jordi will like. And oh. you were like, that was great. And you did a good job. And then the second time I was like, okay, I've played all the songs I know Jordi like. So I'll throw in some Doja Cat and stuff. And you were like, that was amazing. You started playing your own stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh, you're right. I should play my own stuff. Because why do they want to hear like the mini you before they get you? So I was like, this okay. Is, this is a conversation, right? That I have with a lot of DJs um, that start out and it's it is that thing right i was talking to uh trendy wendy but it's ages ago when i was at her house um djing for titty back when it was allowed uh for titty titty van man and i said to her oh you know i never understand um why people when they first start djing want to impress other djs but i guess it's just like performance and you know if you when you let me start djing at the street and she came to my set I was like, oh, when do we like this? Oh, when do we like this? And she loved it and she me back. But what she'd said to me the time I saw her was, see, tonight, play you. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you did this Thursday for me at last minute as a cover shift. And all the customers said, I never hear Tamper feel, feel it here. I never hear, um, you know, 90s dance. It's usually always sort of funk and soul. And, and that is what this place is missing. And I think you've got a passionate sort of story when you play your music and I was like all right so she stayed and I did what I wanted and that's who said to me guess what and I was like what and she was like I made target in the bar tonight because everyone said I don't want to go see CC tonight Jordy played all this and I loved it and it was different and it's a different vibe and that's when you know it's good and I was like oh amazing and it's the same with you that night that I was like yeah I love all these songs but I already play these and it's like I want something different because I also I say this all the time to me Typical Aquarius, knowledge is power. I love knowing everything, as in learning. And music-wise, I loved when we did Friday just there, that I would sit and you'd play a song. And I mean, I know you're saying about mixing, but didn't I say to you ages ago that you're never, because you were like, I want to do what you do with the beat matching. Mm-hmm. And I obviously listened to it with you last week, and I said to myself, oh, Jordy, that was a bit of a messy one. You were a bit drunk. But even then, you wouldn't notice that, but I do. But I had said to you, you know, I've done this seven years now. I'm seven years in the game. And I only just got good at beat matching with proper decks a year and a half ago. And do you know what I mean? Like things take patience, trial and error. Mantra mm-hmm. of my life is trial and error. And Practice. when you started last week playing songs I didn't know, the excitement I got from I wonder what'll be next, because I didn't go, oh, it'll be Donna Summer. I kind of went, oh my god, it's Doja Cat. And I never know listening to her, but oh, this remix is amazing. And Mm-hmm. Ah, it's the vibe I love. And I honestly can, I've said this to you already, that I can see you going places with music. And it's funny, I was talking to Juniper this week after the show about her music taste. 
and said to her, oh, you know what, me, you and Lucy could maybe do a night together. And she went, oh my God, I would love that. And I went, no, the, the, the styles would all blend so well together. And this is the exciting thing that I never get in the DJ world as a, a professional DJ that I've met a lot of DJs that put me down from a music taste and made me feel horrific. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to oh, work with them. And there's a snobbery in it. And I'd be like, I don't want to work with them anymore. Um, so, it, and we email them more when she started DJing. She'd be like, Jordy, was that okay? And I'd be like, don't look for validation from play what you love and they'll love it. And it, yeah. it, it was the same with this, that I met a lot of DJs like Wendy took me under their wing and really helped me. But I met a lot of DJs that weren't great and met, they might be good at mixing, but they're not people I would associate myself with. And I'd be like, oh, like they weren't actually always right. And it's, it's music. It's like, it's like art. Not everyone likes the same art. Not everyone likes the same plays. Yeah. And I love your taste. And I think we do mix really well in terms of styles. Um, where can we get, where can people follow us on social media? Because you are the good person with this stuff. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I got a new phone this week, so I'm actually accidentally logged out of all the social media accounts, but I will get back on them. Um, so, obviously, for anything Facebook-wise, I would say um, for, follow Georgie Delight, because Georgie is the queen of Facebook. I am, um, I, like, I left Facebook when the Farmville Mall got involved, so I don't take much to do that. <laughs> Apart from Facebook Messenger and events, which occasionally pop up on my phone, and I'm like, oh shit, I meant to be in Glasgow in half an hour. I don't take much to do with Facebook, but um, less so now, of course. Um, with Instagram, which is my happy place, it is uh, Glazed Edinburgh. So at Glazed Edinburgh, you'll be able to keep up to date with us on there. Um, also, every once in a while, we throw out like um, requests and things like that, because a lot of people will request songs during the set. And any DJ knows that if you don't have the song, it's a pain because then the other one has to get the laptop out and grab a USB and put it on and da-da-da-da. Tell us beforehand and we'll work it into the set. Um, even if you're watching us afterwards, it doesn't need to be if you're watching us live because obviously the sets all go up. If you have a request, we usually put them on the story um, and you can find out everything you need to know about us on the Glazed um, Instagram, mm -hmm. um, Twitter and things like that. I always think it's really interesting whenever people have like a project and they open up Twitter. Twitter should be for people and businesses that's it mm. there is nothing we can say on twitter that will be of any interest because what we do is music based mm. twitter is not the best place to put out music based stuff no. whereas instagram you can add things to stories you can do all that yes. so your best place is either geordie delight on facebook or glazed edinburgh on instagram and of course you can follow geordie delight geordie delight on instagram as well as myself who is wet ass lucy on everything yeah um and the Mixcloud live account. No, hold on to Of course, and do then, the Mixcloud account, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the Mixcloud live account is just Jordy Delight, but we always share on Instagram, obviously, the link in our um, Instagram profiles, bios. And yeah, what are you going to do? Plug your um, social media. <laughs> So the only social media I use at the moment is Instagram um, because all my Havana Meltdown stuff is now archived. So I'm not taking any more requests. They're all locked um, and they're all just there to sort of hold on to the name because, you know, some cis white gay in two years time will be like, I've thought of a brilliant name. What about Havana Meltdown? And I'm like, you're not undoing my work. So that's all archived. <laughs> so I'm going to ask Lucy and everything. One place you can find me, though, is Twitch. I will be live streaming soon. Um, if you listen to the podcast with Rue Jazzle and CJ Banks that I mentioned earlier, I've only seen about eight films and four of them are Party Monster. So my goal is to watch more movies, but I find that because I have such a... Um, my mind does not focus on anything at any given time. I'm going to start watching them with an audience. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start Twitch streaming, me watching classic movies i've got a bunch of requests in already that's um, amazing be, 
there'll be live comments and stuff like that. I'll be talking. There'll also be, there's like a little um, like cookie redemption system where the longer you watch, you get these points. You can redeem them for stupid things. So it'll be stupid things like I'll read you an IMDb fact about the film or like other stupid little things. So it'll be a really interactive process because I need that. Otherwise, I, the second I put a film on it, I'm going to be like, right, I'm going to organize all the files on my phone or that kind of thing. So I need to have an audience. Otherwise, I'm mm. never going to watch it. Um, and I'm going to be doing that as of a week on Sunday because I knew if I started this weekend, people would be like, watch a horror film. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I live alone. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> I, live in a, I live alone in an old creaky flat. There is no way that is happening. So yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> it will be, um, yeah, so it'll be the first Sunday in, no will it be the first Sunday in November? It'll technically be the second Sunday in November um, but the first weekend in November you will be able to catch me there um, so if you follow me on Instagram follow me on Twitch at Wet Ass Lucy on both of them right. and yeah come watch me watch some films I know you're very I promise good I'm funny <laughs> <laughs> I know you're very good I can imagine actually you're going to be quite good like when Niall your friend Niall does them um, mm-hmm. the sort of watch video reactions they're quite funny so I can think Oh, that reminds me, actually. I will be featured in uh, one of Niall's upcoming videos that we're actually filming after this. Um, So we played Among Us in a previous video, the game Among Us, if anyone's heard of it. It's space mobs murdering each other on a spaceship. Very, very fun. Uh, But we're doing a Halloween twist uh, on the upcoming one, which I think will be coming out on Halloween night. That's amazing. so expect a lot of screams, um, a lot of panicking gay noises, and yeah, we're going to get a lot of that. So I'm excited. Uh, we were organising it earlier today, and it's going to be, we've got a good lineup of people doing it, so it'll be very fun. I love that. Oh, that's so lovely. I know you obviously, you're very much like a typical Virgo that you have a lot of projects on the go to keep you stimulated, which is great, because I'm the same that I have a lot of projects always on the go as well, <laughs> this being one of them, obviously. And just before we kind of go, because obviously... Um, we've got only kind of a couple of questions left. What are kind of um, things you've been doing and tips you can give people on ways you've been coping during the pandemic that maybe haven't already been shared or just your own personal stuff? Uh, therapy and propanolol, uh, my two favourite things. Um, I actually, <laughs> I started therapy a couple of weeks ago. Now, I'm very lucky um, in that because, as I said, I do have that foot in the corporate world that I can afford to do things like therapy and I'm doing it privately. Um, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm getting an awful lot out of it. Um, I would say if you are struggling with your mental health, even if you actually, not even if you're struggling, but if you're concerned about your mental health, get to concerned before you get to struggling. Speak to your doctor. If your doctor's not taking you seriously, switch to another doctor. Um, I know a lot of people are using services like BetterHelp. Please steer clear of them. I know too many firsthand horror stories of people using better help and it not being good for them which is an online um counseling service but it's based in the u.s and they actually have in their terms and conditions like cannot be used as a counseling service but they advertise themselves as a counseling service there's multiple youtube videos you can watch on the issues with better help so please 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 steer clear of those things if you live in edinburgh there is a great uh, foundation through here called thistle um, who are really, really good with um, counselling. They do like um, lifestyle classes and things. I've had, I've, I've had issues before where I've um, gone to like their trauma groups and things and they've been really, really good. They've been good to work with. So I would definitely recommend them. Um, I would recommend if you live in Glasgow or any other part of Scotland or any other part of the UK to have a look at the services available in your area. Um, if you need to, if you're not getting the help on the NHS that you need, have a look for mental health services, foundations or charities in your area Google it, you'll find something. Or, of course, Facebook is great for being able to to link you up with people like that. I would definitely take those first over anything like BetterHelp or online Mm -hmm. services that you haven't 
you know, the art established, art UK based, all that kind of stuff. Um, get help when you need help. Get help before you need help if you can, if, if you can identify it. And this is a, we're all in an extreme situation right now. What we're in right now is not going to be forever and it is not normal. Normal isn't going to be normal again, but what we're in right now is not normal. It's not even the new normal. It's never going to be like this again in your lifetime. It will never be like this again in your lifetime. And remember that. You need to do what you can do to keep yourself going throughout this. Do your best to do healthy coping strategies. I remember I said to my mum that I was getting a bit down because of the pandemic and her uh, answer to that was, just drink a glass of wine every night. Try and stay away from those coping mechanisms. Yeah. Now, they work for my 65-year-old ex-army mother. However, that is maybe not the best advice and not advice I would pass on to anyone. Yeah. Try healthy coping mechanisms. Journaling, manifesting, Google those. See how to do them effectively. And I mean, Google them to see how to do them effectively. Don't pick up a notebook and say, I'm going to write in this every night, throw the notebook down and never look at it again. Google how to do those things properly. And if you need to escape by staring at TikTok for the next hour because you need to and your brain needs the break, take the break. It's not bad. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And you know what? Like I, because obviously I, you know, I'm an Aquarius and I have a hundred journals, right? But one thing I loved was that I listened to Super Soul Conversations with Oprah and she had said, get a gratitude journal. So I ordered one and it's, mm -hmm. you don't have to order what I ordered. I'm just like really bad at drawing them structure plans, but it is get a book and every night before bed, write three to five things you're grateful for that happened that day. You know, I am having to really take in life a bit more and journal and stuff. I know you've obviously gave me that as advice in the past last sort of six months um, journaling things does help getting on paper seeing it as opposed to just getting anxious thoughts and thinking they're made up um yeah another service i would actually just add to the ones you've said for people because i'm on also low income um is places like north east edinburgh counseling service meeks mm -hmm. if you google them for self-referral the waiting lists are long but to be honest if you can wait just four to six weeks it will be worth it they give really good short-term long-term counselling. They also, as places like LGBT youth and LGBT health and wellbeing, if you're from the queer community, again, the, the list can be a couple of weeks, but you know what, if you can try and wait, it will help if you're on a low income. There's places like Wellspring that are private, but they do a low income fee. Places like Project yeah, 42. Pay, pay what you can, I think Wellspring do. Um, yeah. And the thing is, I'll tell you, even as someone who does it privately, you do have to wait a couple of weeks. Like, waiting a couple of weeks is, is just what you're going to have to do. What can you cope with now and put the foundations in place? If you feel that your mental health is slipping, deal with it now. Put the foundation in place. It might mean six <laughs> weeks. All you need to do is just get yourself to six weeks. Yeah. And you've done that. I mean, most of the people who are listening to this are probably over 18. If you can do 18 years, you can wait six weeks. Oh, that is a vibe. Well done. I never even mm. thought about articulating it that way. That's great. Before we go, because this has been mad and I loved every minute of it, um, every episode, obviously, we end with a quote that reflects kind of just you and what's going on. And I would love for you to share with everyone um, your quote this week. So, mine's is from, I'm going to get a bit wanky here. Mine's is from Aristotle. Okay. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. I love that. And so, what do you think that means? So excellent. You can't just put on, like, for example, let's put it in the, the drag production world that we've talked about so much. Excellent isn't one good night you put on. Excellence is the every encounter you have with someone where 
they've enjoyed your company. Every performance you've done that has been really good. Every back of house thing you've done that has, has created a good show or a good atmosphere. Excellent, ex you can't just say, I've done drag for three years and there is my excellence. Excellence is the habit of you every single week being a nice person to be around, a good performer, a good host, and a nice person to, to work with. And what is excellence for you? Excellence for me is getting the most out of people. It's seeing something I've produced that's good. Mm -hmm. Whether it's see my drag kids do well from advice I've given them, whether it's putting together a show where at the end of the night, the audience and the, the performers have said, God, this is my favorite show to do. That's excellence to me. Excellence isn't a perfectly styled look or a, you know, a, a perfect wig that I've put a roller set in. Excellence to me is a feeling afterwards where you go, God, that was good. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to what will be tonight, because this will go on Friday afternoon at three o'clock, um, having some drinks, playing the tunes, yes. and messaging on Saturday afternoon how bad the hangover is. Yes, I'm looking very much forward to our Halloween sweeties. They'll be nice. Um, and yes, I'm really looking forward. I've downloaded a pile of music, so... Brilliant. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much. There is, unfortunately, in a lot of arts jobs, you know, I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and go, oh, that was really negative and there wasn't kind of an uplifting moment because there was an uplifting moment that sometimes you just have to step back, see things for what they are. If you don't like working with someone, be indifferent to it. I am very much passionate about... Um, psychological disorders and psychology and human behavior and one thing that during the pandemic really actually I got involved with was learning about narcissistic personality disorder and different psychological disorders caused during upbringing and sort of adolescence periods and one day I watched a video by a brilliant psychologist called Dr Ramani that was about indifference and that sometimes not all the time you should try and be a very formidable and um, sociable person that try and see the best in people but unfortunately sometimes when it comes down to it you just got to be indifferent and walk away and go do you know what this wasn't a pleasant experience I don't want to work in this venue with this person I don't want to continue you know I in my jobs have not stayed working with everyone I've ever met that's not down to um, me or down to them, maybe. It could just be down to how uncomfortable the situation was. And that's never a bad thing to kind of know what you want and be confident and comfortable in a place. Drag community is such a place that I love being a part of and being kind of a role model. And, and I really enjoy being one of the leading drag artists in Scotland as well. But they're like any job can be toxic people everywhere and unfortunately this is something we just have to continue on it's never going to completely stop unfortunately you'll always meet good and bad people everywhere it's just about reading the signs reading the behavior and knowing when to cut ties I don't want people listening to this then to go oh this has all been a subtext and they're out to get someone and like no absolutely not this is in my position of doing my job seven years I've met a lot of people. I can't count on four hands how many people I've worked with. I've went, not very keen, not very nice. 
that's fine. I know that. And you'll meet people and you'll know when you don't feel comfortable or happy in a situation. The last thing I want to add is I love creative projects. They get me going and stimulated. But if you ever kind of think, hmm, my project isn't going the way I wanted and I like it. <laughs> I am guilty of this, by the way, that I go, I love this. Why do people not enjoy it? If you ever feel that way, ask a friend or colleague and tell them you want an outside perspective and think about the fact that you want an audience and a spectator's point of view that this podcast isn't going to appeal to everyone, like I mentioned, because it's for people that are artists networking. Know your market and get advice off your friends and don't be scared to be critiqued. As much as it hurts ego, I feel that all the time. Lucy has been at the hands of that as well. It, your ego will always, unfortunately, take a hit. It's about knowing the right people that will give you the right critical feedback that will help you develop your work. Thank Lucy so much for joining me this week. It's been a really good episode for me because, you know, sometimes you've got to kind of look at the bigger picture and what's going on and take a step back. And we've done that. And I thank anyone who listened and want to remind you all to keep doing what you're doing seek the right support, and above all, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight, real people, real stories, local podcast for local people.